want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Have you ever been asked this question, why do you come to church? Thought-provoking, isn't it? Let's think about it more as we tune in with Pastor John. Thank you. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Oh, man. Buenos dias a todos. Buenos dias. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? Como están todos? Everybody doing good? See? Okay. You guys know I've been practicing. Just as a side note, um, one thing that I've learned is if I only practice my Spanish Saturday night for Sunday morning, I'm never going to get better at it. Not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. And I know we've been talking about being intentional, and 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 I think I've been doing some really good teaching Amen. on intentionality. I mean, just pat myself on the back, right? <laughs> but it's funny when you can preach something and disqualify yourself in a heartbeat. Y'all didn't catch that. I'm I'm preaching about being intentional, but yet at the same time, I find myself not studying the Spanish the way that I should be. I'm studying my word. Don't get me wrong. I'm in prayer, but there's more to this walk with God than just spirituality. If we were just spiritual beings, he would have created us to be in heaven and stay in heaven, but he created us spiritual beings to be here on earth, to to live on earth in in a secular world, but to live as spiritual beings. But there's still some practicality to our spirituality. And I just want to encourage you guys today that whatever it is God has laid on your heart, to do whatever vision it is, whatever goal it is, is that it's not going to just happen. And you're not going to get better at whatever you're doing, doing it one day a week. You guys hear me? If you want to increase your prayer life, you can't just come for prayer on Tuesdays. I mean, just, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to bad mouth anybody or do anything wrong, but I just have to be honest. Do you really think the Golden State Warriors became champions just by showing up on game day? I'm just saying, there's some people here from Ohio, I just, (laughs) it's the same way, I mean, it's just how things work, right? Stephen Curry didn't become one of the Splash Brothers just by shooting on, on, on a game day. He practiced and practiced and practiced, and he got good at it. So if we're going to get good at what God has called us to do, we have to keep doing it over and over and over again. And then we have to start searching out. This, this is something that I, I think us as Christians have a hard time doing. We don't want to go to other people to find out how to do things because we're too full of pride. And, it, and, and it's like, you know, no, I want to do this, especially in the church world. We have so many pastors around in our local area that are struggling, and they could be growing if they just reach out and see these other pastors and say, hey, man, what are you doing? I see things are going good over there. Help me out. I'm like, sure, man. What do you want to know? What you need? That's the kingdom of God. And it's the same way if you're in your businesses. If you see somebody being successful, don't get jealous. You better go over there and catch some clues, Sherlock Holmes. How you doing this, man? And let them be arrogant because at the end of the day, even if they're arrogant, it's still going to help you. That's not even my message today. Praise God. 
I got a long word for you. I'm glad. So we got 25 to before the next service. Okay. If people start walking in for second service, just tell them to sit down. All right? It's got an important word for you. Turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 10, 14. I got to jump right in because this is long. I know some of y'all in here going, dang it. Most pastors say this ain't going to be long, and it is long, but this pastor's saying it's going to be long. So how long are we going to be here? <laughs> I believe in saying a lot in as few words as possible. Luke 18, who said amen? <laughs> Luke 18, 10 through 14. If you don't have your Bibles, if you don't have a cell phone, you guys can look up here on the Sky Bible. Sky Bible. We have it in English and Espanol. See? Okay, let's read. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. Just let me give you a quick real background. So if we look. During those days in those times of Jesus, the, the, the upper echelon people were the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were fair to see and sad to see. But they, these were the upper people. They dressed in really nice, and the, everybody wanted to be like the Pharisees, but the tax collector were considered the lowest of the low. Why were they considered the lowest of the low? Because they worked for a government that was oppressing the people. They were taking from their own people. Tax collectors were lower than uh, Samaritans. And, you know, people call Samaritans dogs, but tax collectors were lower than that. So here we have somebody that was considered uh, ritualistically unclean. They were considered uh, as outcasts to the Israelites. So I just want you to keep that in mind. But yet here this tax collector comes into the church, the house of God, and begins to beat on his chest and tell God to have mercy on him because he is a sinner. Now, today's sermon is more about a thought that came to my mind after reading and studying this set of scripture. Hoy nuestro sermon es más cerca de un pensamiento que se me vino a la mente después de leer y estudiar el conjunto de escrituras. Looking at the scriptures, we see two men that went to the house of God. Amir las escrituras vamos a dos hombres que fueron a las casas de Dios. We see the prayers of the Pharisees and then the prayers of the tax collectors. Vemos las oraciones de Fariseo y luego la oración de colector de impuestos. And after pondering these two men, I want to ask you guys a question. Y después de meditar sobre estos dos hombres, quiero hacerte esta pregunta. ¿Por qué bien a la iglesia? Why do you come to church? In the parable, 
Both the Pharisees and the tax collector went to the temple in Jerusalem to pray. En la parabola, tanto el Pharisee como el uh, collector de impuestos fueron al templo de Jerusalem para orar. But when you examine their actions and attitudes, pero cuando examinas sus acciones y attitudes, you discover that they went for two different reasons. Descubres que fueron por dos razones diferentes. Why did you come today? Porque viniste hoy. Did you come to be seen? Obviously, the Pharisee was at the temple for other reasons. Um, obviamente, el Pharisee estaba en el templo para que otros vieran lo bueno que era. To him, it was a public performance. He came to church just to be seen by people. He came to church because it was part of a script. He had given much thought about what he would wear. Y'all hearing this? He would give him so much thought about what he would wear, where he was going to stand, what he was going to say, because he had an audience. When he arrived, he walked up to the front and he stood before the people in his flowing robe. He, he stood with this ornate uh, prayer shawl in the, that the Pharisees wore, and it was just all a part of an act. The words he prayed weren't really directed towards God. He prayed to himself, the scripture said. He was there to be seen and he was there to be heard by other worshipers. And Jesus warned us about this kind of behavior in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He said, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So I'm going to ask you this question. When you're preparing to come to church, are you thinking more about uh, uh, what others are going to say about what you're, you're wearing more than connecting with God? Cuando se está preparando para ir a la iglesia, está pensado más en quién estará allí para ver que para contarse con Dios. Do you choose what you're going to wear based on what people are going to think about you? Elija que ponerse de acuerdo con la que otras personas piensen de usted. Now, I know you guys can't believe this, especially at this church. But you know some people actually show up to church because they think it's going to help their business or their career. They think it's going to help them in politics or it's going to improve their social standing, you know, because they can tell somebody, yes, I attend this church. So people look at you to be a little bit more honest because you're a churchgoer. So why do you attend church? Now, I know we all struggle with temptation of trying to please other people rather than pleasing God. Even during our prayer time, I have to be honest. I constantly try to focus on just speaking to God rather than using my prayer as another sermon for you to hear. I hope you guys are listening to this. Because a lot of times when we pray, we use little sermonettes. You guys ever hear somebody pray? And God, I ask right now that you will move in this place just like you moved with Joshua as he ran down the battlefield. No, we don't need to hear all that. When we're, <laughs> when we're praying, we pray honestly to God. Now, I'm telling you, I struggle with that sometimes. There's times that I get asked to go pray at political events or open up, and, and you've got all these people that are standing around, and you're like, I'm going to try to sneak the gospel in in my prayer. 
And also you go, man, I want to make sure that I pray really good because there's people around here. And if, they, if I pray really good, they might want to come to my church. Is that honest? But see, that's not what prayer is for. Prayer is a conversation to God. And I'm no different than the Pharisee when I get up, no matter what my intentions are. Remember what we talked about? My intentions, not intentional. My intentions, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So as I begin to pray, I have to pray earnestly from me to God. You just happen to hear my conversation with him. You guys with me? You ever on the phone and you're talking to somebody and then after you get off the phone, people around you and they start asking you what you was talking about? Okay, some of y'all got husbands that be listening to your conversation. <laughs> Who was that? What they talking about? Yeah, you guys, you guys are doing that, but you know what? Ladies, you be doing the same thing. You be on the phone, after you get off the phone, you giggling and laughing, they sitting there staring at you. Well? <laughs> That's how it should be when we're praying. Because when I pray to God, you're just eavesdropping if I'm praying loud. And then as I'm praying to God, you should be able to come to me and go, what was that you were saying to God and you were asking him? That's how the question, but I'm not, not trying to tell people and show people how holy you are. That's why we tell people when you come to prayer on Tuesday nights, we call it prayer gym. It's so that you can get rid of that fear because it's in us that we got to impress people when we pray. We try to use these big, long words. We try to sound super holy when we pray. And listen, you don't, e you don't even talk to your friend like that. So why would you talk to God like that? He's a friend. That sticks closer than a brother. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to share this real quick. I'm like, God, sometimes I find myself talking to God like I'm talking to a buddy. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't disrespect. You know, I, I still have that fear of him. And, but I'm like, God, man, I'm just struggling, man. I need more strength, God. You got it. And I'm like, I find myself talking to him like, hey, man, Lord, you know I need your help. Now, Lord, it is I. I now standeth in the need of prayer, Lord. Come, create in me a new heart. Renew in me a right spirit, Lord. Meetest thou thou humble servant that is sitting here before thine altar. Come on, man. Nobody speaks King James anymore. They don't even speak it in England. See, when we pray, we pray our praise should be directed to God and God alone. Let me give you this great example that happened that I, I got to witness. It was bedtime, and it was right before Judah's birthday one year. And Kai and I, we, at, when they were a little bit younger, we used to both go in and pray with them as they were praying. And it was, it was, I think it was a couple nights before his birthday. And Judah began to pray, and he began to pray and shout like at the top of his lungs. He's like, dear God, I've been so good this year, so please let me get an Xbox One for my birthday. And Kai looked at Judah. She's like, Judah, God can hear you. You don't have to yell. And, and he says, Mom, I know God can hear me, but Papa can't hear me. He's downstairs. <laughs> How many times do we do stuff like that? I've sat in prayer meetings where people would lay out their problems just so it would touch somebody else's heart for them to help them. 
That ain't God moving. I just know that God knows what I need before I can ask or even think it. So if I just pray and I thank God for who he is and I thank God for being a sovereign God, I thank God that I know that, my, that he has a plan for me and I thank him for strengthening me. I don't have to sit down and, God, I thank you right now that you will meet all my needs. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you pay my light bill somehow, some way, Lord. I thank you. We don't need to do that. We do it. Okay, let's get back to the scripture. Now, on the other hand, I order for uh, the tax collector represents another reason you might be here today. El collector de impuesto representa otra razón por la que podría estar aquí hoy. Did you come to seek God? Veniste para buscar a Dios? The tax collector showed up because he was in trouble and he believed God could help him. Come on, y'all. His body language revealed his sense of unworthiness. He couldn't walk to the front of the crowd. Instead, he kept his distance. He didn't focus on the other people there. He focused on God. Listen, worship does involve an audience, but an audience of one. I can, this is how I know as a pastor, and I can sincerely tell when somebody's in the need of God. They don't care what anybody else thinks about them. people are snotting at the nose, crying out to Jesus. They're on their face, and and they don't care. what The people could be standing around there pointing at them. They don't care. It's like, all I know is I need to get God. The, the, The greatest thing I can think of, an example I can think of, is a person in a pool with a bunch of people that's drowning. They don't care what they look like. They just want help. I don't want to die here. They don't care who's going to make fun. It's not even on their mind who's going to make fun of them. What's on their mind is getting help. This was the tax collector. He already knew everybody thought how how miserable and how low he was, but he didn't care. All he did is he went in, and obviously his prayer wasn't quiet. He was shouting out to God, beating his chest, standing and saying, God, forgive me, help me. I am a sinner, and I need your help. When we come to church, our primary concern should be about seeking God's face. Now, you may receive the applause of man, but you should have deaf ears to it. You should be listening only for the applause of the nailed, scarred hands of Jesus Christ. I think of Stephen as he was, uh, as he was stoned to death. This is, this, these are things that I don't know if you guys think about it, but every time I preach, every time I do something, it doesn't matter. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, the natural side of me does want people to say, hey, Pastor, it was great work. It helps, but you know, I want Jesus to look at me the same way he looked at Steve, Stephen. And every time I picture it, as Stephen looked up and he saw, I always picture it as Jesus getting off the throne, like you know, there's clouds, and he, and he looked down, and he looked at his son. It's like, man, this is what sacrifice is. It's almost like, well done, that good and faithful servant. That's what I want God to say to me. I'm not concerned about how I look. I'm not concerned about what kind of uh, talk or anything he's going to do to me. I want to make sure that I'm seeking God's face and I'm pleasing him, that he's clapping. Why did you come to church? Porque vienes a la iglesia. Es solo tu habito. 
una parte de tu rutina de fin de semana? Is it just your habit to come to church? Is it just a part of your weekend routine? Why do you come to church? Perhaps you come because your parents or your spouse pressured you to come, young people. Or maybe you feel guilty if you don't come. Or did you come seeking to connect with an almighty God, the creator of the universe? God says in, in Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search me with your whole heart. You know, sometimes we come seeking God, but we half-heartedly yeah. seek him. And we get upset because we can't find him. I wish I had some parents in here that know when you go send your little kid to go find something, they never find it. Come on. It's like, look, you tell them exactly where it is. It's upstairs, top drawer, my drawer, on the left-hand side. Just go up there and get it. Five minutes later, they come down, I can't find it. So then you end up getting up and having to go get it. But you know why? Because they didn't really look. How many of us are doing that with Jesus? How many of us are doing that with the presence of God? How many people come into church uh, Sunday after Sunday and then quit going to church because they, they put the blame on the pastor or on the church because they weren't feeling God? That ain't got nothing to do with it. Why is it that people can find God in prison? How could people find God in Babylon? How could people find God in Egypt? It wasn't about the atmosphere. It was about how hard you sought him. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. Knock and the door shall be open. Seek and ye shall find. When we come to church, we should be coming seeking the face of God. I've often, often told people this. I find the face of God not just in my time of personal worship, but I find the face of God in serving people. We get so stuck in this moment. Which we should be stuck in this moment. Come on, that's so good. The servant with the towel around the arm. So they go hand in hand. Amen. I, I do this, but I also do this. Amen. Some may come seeking God, but our half-hearted worship becomes a hindrance to them. I recently read this letter on the internet, and it was written by this teenage girl. Her correspondence, listen, you guys, scares me to death. This is what she wrote to, to her friend. Dear Kathy, I attended your church yesterday. Although you had invited me, you were not there, so I sat alone. After sitting down, a lady came up and informed me that I was in her seat. I was so embarrassed because I didn't know some seats were reserved. Finally, I climbed over some people, hug, hugging the aisles, and found another seat. During the singing, I was surprised to note that some of the church people weren't even singing at all. Instead, they looked around or just stared into space. The pastor's speech was interesting. Yeah, I lost my place. Yeah, the pastor's speech was interesting, although some members didn't seem to think so. They looked bored and restless. I recognized some of my classmates a few pews in front of me, but they were giggling and passing notes. I thought, how rude. The speaker talked about the reality of faith, which I decided I didn't have enough of. The, mes the message 
really got to me, and I thought about walking forward, but I was unsure. I saw some people walking out before the service was over, so I figured it must not be too important to stay till the end, so I slipped out too. As I left, I said good morning to one couple, but they were in a hurry and must have not heard me. My parents don't go to church. I came alone yesterday hoping to find a place to truly worship and find some love. I'm sorry, but I didn't find it in your church. When I read this letter, I said, please, God, don't let that be the case here at the Building Christian Fellowship. So the next question I'd like to ask you is, what is your attitude in church? ¿Cuál es su actitudo en la iglesia? In the parable, Jesus showed two totally different attitudes people can display in worship. The Pharisee presented an attitude that said, well, el Pharisee presentó un actitud de decía, I'm proud of my godliness. Estoy orgulloso de mi santidad. In some instances, pride can be really good. For instance, I'm proud that the Golden State Warriors beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm, I'm, that's good, right? I'm proud, and I'm, I'm proud to be a 49er fan. That we will beat the Seahawks next year. In Jesus' name. <laughs> But the Bible warns us against a dangerous kind of pride that is characterized by self-love, egotism, and arrogance. This kind of pride is revealed in the prayer of the Pharisee. He wanted others to know about his godliness, so he bragged that he fasted, he tithed, and kept all the commandments. This is, here how, you, this is how you guys can recognize that there's pride in somebody's heart. Pride loves to talk about I. Now, this is in Spanish, but anybody that is prideful says I, I, I. You'll get it on the way home. In verse 11, the Pharisee used I and me several times. He said, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week, and I give tithe of all that I get. Those are all good things to do. You should, uh, you should pray. You should fast. You should tithe. But if you're going to do it because you want other people to look at you and pat you on the back and see how holy you are, it doesn't mean anything. It also means that your religion is dangerous. The Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall in Proverbs 16 and 18. And you guys know in Isaiah chapter 14, you guys realize that Lucifer was once an angel, but it was pride that got him kicked out. He lost his position. Now, now I want you to understand this. When I say position, I'm not talking about as in manager or as in elder. He lost his position standing with God. So there's people that are in our, that listen to this very carefully. You could be a teacher, you could be instructor, you could be an elder, you could be a, a master teacher, you could be a lead, a head of, of a ministry. That is an earthly, churchly position, and you could lose those real quick. But the one thing I'd hate to see you lose is your position with God. And your pride and your arrogance can do it. That's why I tell people, listen, never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. I was driving around with my son uh, when he had men's breakfast uh, 
yesterday, and as we're going, and you guys know we have a really huge homeless problem here in Fairfield, and here it is at 7 in the morning, we just see these homeless people walking up and down the street, and I'm, I was telling my son, I said, you see these people, and they're obviously homeless, and he said, yeah. I said, never judge them, because you could be one decision away from being just like them. That's why it's important to stay humble and worship your God, because you'll, he'll help you make right decisions. And listen to your parents. Yeah, tell them that too. Amen. You guys, it's funny because some people are their happiest when they're talking about themselves. <laughs> you guys ever talk to somebody and they can't even talk about nothing else but themselves? Like you try to change the subject. It's like, yeah, man, so how about those finals? Yeah, man, I remember during the finals, I was sitting down watching, and I was telling this guy something, and I was, and it's like, dude, we, I'm talking about the game. I am too. No, you're not. You're talking about yourself during the game. See, when, listen, I'm going to help you guys out, because as I'm, I'm preaching and I'm saying this here, you're thinking about your friends that are arrogant. That's not what this message is for. This is for a self-examination. Because some people won't tell you, because some people are too timid to tell you, dude, you're full of yourself. Oh, me? We need to examine ourselves. That's what the Bible says, to see whether we're in the faith or not. We need to look at ourselves to see and determine if we're just full of ourselves. Do we ever just talk about us? Do we ever just complain about us? Is it always about our problems? and our th- Listen, if you're always talking about how down you are and how life is unfair and treating you bad, you're full of yourself. Someone once said, y eso soy yo. That was me. El orgullo es la única enfermedad que todos pueden reconocer, excepto la persona que la tiene. Pride is the only sickness everyone can recognize except for the person who has it. Pride don't know that they're proud. They have no idea. But everybody else recognizes it. So I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you think that you're not prideful, you probably are. I think it's almost safe to assume that I'm full of pride and God, I need help. Then to go, I'm not proud at all. False humility. Okay. Pride always sees the faults of others. Are you a person that always pointing out somebody else's fault? Did you notice the Pharisee was quick to criticize and condemn the tax collector? Pride blinds a person to their own faults and magnifies the failures and faults of others. When you compare yourself to someone else, you're using the wrong standard. God is the standard. If you want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to Jesus. And you will see how miserably you fall short. God will not grade you on a curve. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're a little better than the average attender. God will grade you according to the standard of Jesus Christ. But there's another attitude I want uh, you guys to see that was expressed in church or in the house of God. And I want you to learn from it today, and that was from the tax collector. Aquí es la actitud correcta para tener. This is the attitude. I desperately need God's mercy. 
I desperately need God's mercy. The tax collector couldn't even lift his head up. He was so burdened, he pounded on his chest a spontaneous gesture of his agony over his sin. Have you guys ever felt that bad about your sin? Have you ever been so convicted that you just you almost couldn't move, you couldn't do anything? It's like, man, I am, I'm just so dirty. If you guys have never felt like that, then you've never repented. I'm just I'm sharing this with you. You have to get to a place where true repentance is basically saying, just like this tax collector, you can't stand up before God like this. You're ashamed of what you have done. I am filthy. As the scripture says, my righteousness is as a filthy rag before the Lord. I am nothing, God. I've made a mistake. You have to get to that point before you truly repent. Everything else is just, I'm sorry. But when you truly feel dirty and nasty and you know that there's somebody that can cleanse you and that person that can cleanse you is Jesus Christ and you begin to shout out, God, help me. This is when you're at that breaking point. This is when God can come into your life and start making changes. But until you get to that point, you will remain the same. You'll just be a sorry Christian that will always just say, God, I'm sorry, and you're bound to do it again. He said, God, be merciful to me. He literally said, be merciful to me, the sinner. He considered himself the chief of sinners. He he didn't go, God, I sin, but I'm not as bad as those guys. He was at a place where he knew that, God, if you don't do anything for me right now, I'm going to die like this. When the tax collector caught a glimpse of the greatness and holiness of God, he realized how dirty and filthy he was. The Bible says that all of our righteousness is filthy rags, Isaiah 64 and 6. Even the good news we do, um, even the good things that we do are dirty compared to the brilliance and beautiful work of Jesus Christ. When you see God for who he is, then you will be able to see yourself for who you really are. A fallen creature in desperate need of God's mercy and forgiveness. That will humble you really quick. Now, there's this movie, and some of you guys may know, it's a movie called Rudy. Some of you guys, am I dating myself? Okay. There's this guy, (laughs) there's a guy and there's this Catholic priest, and I'm going to quote him. And he said this, and this is what he told Rudy. After all these years, there are two things that I'm totally certain about. There is a God. That's one. Number two, I'm not him. You know, sometimes we act as gods ourselves because we think we determine our own righteousness because of our prideful attitudes. How many people sit down and tell you about, no, 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 man, I got a relationship with Christ. I believe in God. I believe I'm going to make it to heaven. They really just basing it upon their own word. And when you base things upon your own word and not God's word, you become a god yourself. So you're setting up a false god in yourself. You worship yourself. It's intellectual humanism. The real test of being in the presence of God is you either forget about yourself altogether or you see yourself as a small, dirty object. But it's better for you to forget about yourself altogether. When you get in the presence of God, when you come to church and you fall, you, you hear the worship team say, forget about everything. Just look on to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. And, you know, we, we say that and it's churchy, but it's true. When you come to church, listen, I'm, I promise you, the troubles that you had before you got here 
are going to be there. So why waste your time thinking about them while you're in here? It's called a sanctuary. It's a safe place. It's a place of rest. It's a place that you can forget. It's like, how can I forget about, how can I forget about, I just lost this person, he died. How can I forget about that when I go home, my husband or my wife isn't going to be there? How can I forget about that my business just failed? How can I forget about that? You know why? Because you keep your eyes and focused on Jesus. We create an atmosphere for you to look at Christ and forget about everything else. Just for two hours, you could focus on God. And you know what? If you could forget about what's out there, you'll get the power to deal with it to go back out if you can forget about it. Why did you come to church? As I close, I had to check the time. My final question to answer is, antes de terminar, mi última pregunta para responder es, ¿cómo vas a ir a casa? My final question is, how will you go home today? In the parable, Jesus said, one of these two men went home justified. Justified is a great Bible word meaning to be right with God. The only way you could be right with God is to receive his mercy and his forgiveness. Whenever I read the word justify in the New Testament, I rejoice that God treats, treats me just if I never sinned. <laughs> in verse 14, Jesus summarized the main principle of the parable. He who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The message paraphrase in verse 14 is this. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if, you, if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. The world says promote yourself, look out for number one. But God says humble yourself and seek me first. Just like Jesus' parable, you'll go home today basically in one of two conditions. You may go home unchanged. The Pharisee was so committed to a routine of following rules that he became proud of his performance. So he went home unchanged. I, I, feel, I feel really pressed to just share something real quick. We're in here right now. We're not comparing ourselves to the Pharisee because we don't stand up here. I don't stand up and I don't pray uh, in front of people. I don't do this. But it's not about what he did. It's about the attitude. The attitude of religiosity, if I could say it that way. Sometimes we just come to church to go to church and we think coming to church is what makes us right with God. It doesn't. Because I can guarantee you right now, there's some spirits that are floating around in here that are looking for people like that. The devil knows the word of God. How do I know? Because he tempted the word with the word. As it is written. Now what he said to Jesus? So you guys, you guys have to understand, you may not be that guy that's up here in the nice robe and saying, God, I'm not like them. God, I'm not like them. But you might be that person that just shows up to church by routine. You show up to church just because it's the thing to do. I come to church on, on, on a weekly basis, but it's just a part of my routine because it makes me feel better about myself and what I'm doing in life. That's the attitude of the Pharisee. 
thousands of people attend church Sunday after Sunday, but they'll leave exactly the way they come in. Coming to church is something they do, but we all know we don't want you just to come to church. We want you to become the church. Y'all are on it. God addresses this problem of this superficial religion in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And I read it. It says, the Lord says this, these people come to honor me with their words, but I am not really important to them. They worship, the worship they give me is nothing but human rules they have memorized. Religion will clean you up on the outside, but only Jesus can clean you up on the inside. So I hope you go home today the same way the tax collector did, unburdened. He went home right with God. Jesus said the bad guy, not the respectable religious Pharisee, went home justified. He went home right with God. He entered the church so burdened down, but his sin couldn't even lift. He was so burdened down with the sin, he, he couldn't even lift his head up. But when he cried out for help from God, he experienced the freedom and liberty of forgiveness. He hadn't done anything to deserve it, so he couldn't brag about it. All he could do was thank God for it. You guys understand that? There is nothing you could do to earn forgiveness, but God gives it freely through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you feel a little out of place because you aren't really a religious person. In fact, you have done some dumb things and messed up in your life in a big way. That's nobody here, right? Well, I just want to say congratulations. (laughs) I think we're all in here like the tax collector. All of us in here have been considered low of the low. All of us in here have done some very terrible things. The hardest people to be saved are those church attenders who think their goodness makes them VIPs with God. The easiest person to be saved is the one who will admit to God that he has sinned royally and has to have his mercy, God's mercy, or he's a goner. You guys, we must approach God with humility. If you want to receive his forgiveness, you can't strut into his presence bragging about how nice you are. The doorway of salvation is open for you today, but it's a door of humility as well. Don't think, see, Jesus Christ is the door. He is the way. Don't think that you can just come to Jesus any old way you want to. You have to humble yourself to come to him. You have to humble yourself to ask for that forgiveness. Not the way that we do when we hurt people, like when somebody tells them, say sorry. You know how kids do? Sorry. Jesus, I'm going to do this because I don't want to go to hell. So please forgive me. It doesn't cut it. I'm just trying to help you all out. You can't stay the same. When, when, when you start to realize how of a dirty sinner you are, and you come to Jesus, and you say, Lord, help me, forgive me, I'm a sinner, you're going to change. You're not going to be the same person. People are going to look at you. I'm going to tell you, when people look at you and go, man, you're different. I'm talking about right after you gave your life to Christ. You ain't even did anything yet. But when you receive the light, people can tell the light is on. <laughs> King David prayed in Psalms 51, 1 through 2. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, 
blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. David, who was known as a man after God's own heart, still humbled himself and asked the Lord to forgive him. How will you lead today? Will you leave here the same or will you leave here unburdened? Why did you come to church? Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.